Family, it's time once again for a Mediascope Brief. If you don't know who I am, let me tell you. My name is Tachi, and I talk all about media tech and pop culture news, and I am about to hit you with a Mediascope Brief. So, did you know that scientists are starting to turn people's food photos into recipes? Yeah, so if you're the type of person that gets bothered by all this food porn on Instagram or Facebook or whatever your platform of choice happens to be because you think it's corny or you don't like it, or maybe you're just a little bit salty because they are sitting somewhere on a Greek island noshing and you're eating two-day-old pizza by your computer. Yeah. Well, maybe it's also because you don't know how to make the wonderful, delectable things that you see on Instagram or Snapchat, or wherever else you happen to be looking. Well, now, researchers at the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab is trying to help you with that endeavor. They're creating an artificial neural network, and that's a computer system modeled after the human brain to examine the photos and break these photos down into recipes. Yes, that's interesting, isn't it? So the growth of the internet has supported the ability to collect and publish several large-scale data sets, and this allows for great advances in the field of AI, according to Javier Marin, who is a postdoctoral researcher at CSAIL, which is the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, and a co-author of a paper published this July at a conference on computer vision and pattern recognition in Honolulu. Marine says, when it comes to food, there are not any large-scale data sets available in the research community until now. So it was clear that they needed to better understand people's eating habits and dietary preferences. To do this, researchers have been feeding the computer pairs of photos and their corresponding recipes, about 800,000 of them. This AI network is called Recipe 1M, and it chews on that for a little while, learning patterns and connections between the ingredients in the recipes and the photos of the food. Marine Sa- or Nicholas Hines, who is an MIT graduate student at CSAIL, says what we've developed is a novel machine learning model that powers an app. The demo you see is just a pretty interface to that model. So they have a demo as well. You can try this interface too, this demo. It's called Pick to Recipe. So to use it, all you have to do is upload your food photo. The computer will analyze it and retrieve a recipe from a collection of test recipes that best match your image. And it usually works pretty well, although it can miss an ingredient or two sometimes. That's really interesting. So if you are the type of person that doesn't know how to cook, but you really relish after these wonderful things you're seeing on social media, you might want to try Pick 2 Recipe, P-I-C, the number two, and then Recipe. It's an app. You can download it and you too can find wonderful recipes of food porn. I hope you're doing well. I'll be back shortly. Cheers. Welcome back. So let's stay on this trajectory of food and technology. Yeah, Silicon Valley. There's a Japanese restaurant that caters to technical people, tech people in Silicon Valley with, get this, gold encrusted steaks. Hmm. So the Bay Area is the home to the most astronomical rent prices in America, largely thanks to highly paid white collar workers known colloquially as tech bros. 
even though there's some tech women in there too, but I digress. And in between working long hours at Apple, Google, or any of the other thousands of, of startups there, and sleeping too few hours in their near $4,000 a month one bedroom apartment, the tech bros have to eat too, and the tech women have to eat too, unless they're revi uh, relying on Soylent. I've talked about that before. Mm-mm. Anyway, <laughs> the rise of the young and moneyed in San Francisco means that there's moneyed food to be had as well. There's places like Saison and the restaurant at Meadowood that clock in at over $1,000 for a meal for two. But commuting from Silicon Valley to San Francisco just for dinner is not always practical. So a restaurateur in Los Altos, which is approximately 40 miles south of San Francisco and just around the corner from Google, the Google headquarters, has opened an exclusive high-dollar dining destination that caters to the area's elite diners. It's called Hiroshi, and the restaurant does not take walk-ins. It only has one table where it seats eight diners a night. So only eight people can eat there at a time. This is according to Eater and Business Insider. Dinner costs $395 per person. If, say, a party of five wants to book a restaurant, they'll have to buy out the other three seats, too. So you can't just say, oh, there's just five of us. It's like, well, you gotta buy all eight. <laughs> Though a business insider notes, it's more like $600 a head after drinks, tax, and tip. The menu includes luxurious dishes such as uni, somen noodles with caviar, and waguyu beef cooked over hibachi. Hmm. The latter is garnished with gold flakes. Mm-hmm. One Yelp reviewer says of Hiroshi, the only thing that turned me off was the gold flakes. Gold flake looks nice, but it does not add any flavor to the food. But of course, neither does hand-cut crystal glassware or pricey remote control bidets in the bathroom. But that's beside the point. <laughs> so, what's the uh, cheapest thing on the menu? Nothing. So if you don't want to spend quite that much, there is another restaurant coming. I think it's pronounced Wagyu, uh, Wagyu Mafia. It's a Tokyo export that's headed to San Francisco, and it will serve you a $180 beef katsu sandwich. Yeah, that's a lot cheaper. So it's probably just a sandwich with no accompaniment. So anyway, <laughs> that's the news that if you are of the high spending, high roller, high dollar brigade in San Francisco and you live near Silicon Valley and you feel like throwing away $600 a person, you too can get a gold flake encrusted beef. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, are you telling me that's the big biggest that it comes? Impossible. <laughs> it's tiny. But anyway, this gold crusted food thing is not new. I can remember very well, you guys remember Serendipity? Serendipity, the ice cream eatery that prided itself with the most expensive ice cream sundae in the country. The $1,000 ice cream sundae that had gold flakes on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Or gold leaf, shall we say. It was, it was more than flakes. It was actually like gold leaf. Probably flaked when you ate it. I just can't see myself spending money to eat gold. Yeah, it's not that serious for me. What about for you? Would you spend $600 on a dinner, as even if it's like the most amazing thing? Do you feel that it's worth it? Let me know. I'm very interested. That's Food and Tech. I'll be back soon. Cheers. So now turning our sights to the TV realm. If you are a fan of NBC's This Is Us, you've fallen in love with the characters and the storyline, 
and you happen to like Sylvester Stallone, you're going to be happy to know that there is a blending about to take place. It's like two great tastes in one candy bar. No, that's the old jingle for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, I digress. Well, Sylvester Stallone is entering the broadcast TV acting ring with a role playing himself on NBC's This Is Us. It was announced today by uh, series boss Dan Fogelman at the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour. They actually screened a scene from season two, a Kleenex-worthy one, I might add. And he's going to guest star in at least one season two episode, serving as Kevin's co-star slash father figure in the movie that Pearson's son was cast in at the last, at the end of last season. This is very interesting. Hmm, we'll see how this ends up. If you want to see how it ends up, This Is Us returns Tuesday, September 26th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. All right, I'll be back very soon with more media tech and pop culture news. Cheers. Toy Soldiers by Martika. That's an oldie but goodie. So let's talk about toys, shall we? Mattel is recognizing the extreme influence that YouTube Kids has amongst consumers. So as reported by TubeFilter and Business Insider, they own company, the toy maker, which owns companies like Barbie, Fisher-Price, Hot Wheels. They've announced an eight-figure upfront deal with YouTube's child-friendly platform. Hmm. This comes as Mattel is increasing its spend in the digital media world. The company's chief content officer, Catherine Balsam Schwaber, says that Mattel has seen its commitment to online advertising go up this past year. They sh- or she says, this is the first of a kind and first ever deals of such deal for Mattel. They're really excited. This is the reflection of a shift that we're seeing in digital media with anything that is new. You wait to see if there's momentum, and that has become clear. So, YouTube Kids is available both on desktop and mobile. It's a huge boon for advertisers because it allows them to test the digital video waters without having to worry about brand safety concerns that have been a thorn in YouTube's side in recent months. Uh, Think PewDiePie, okay? While YouTube Kids' filtering system is not flawless, the platform generally does a good job of keeping its videos age-appropriate, making an appealing choice, making it an appealing choice for parents, kids, and the brands that hope to reach those families. Okay, you know what? I think I have another story in me. I probably will be back. Cheers. Hey everyone, welcome to the station. The segment you heard right before this is from my good friend and co-host of the TV channeling podcast, Kevin Gnome Alone. He does this amazing thing once a month called the Gnomeflix Movie Club. It's kind of like Netflix and chill, but better. No, Netflix and chill has a different connotation. Forget I said that. It's just cool. So we are currently voting on what film we're going to watch. So take a listen and then call in to Kevin No Malone Station and let him know what film you'd be interested in watching. You don't have to be a member. Actually, we'd love for you to be a member. And it's free 99 to join. That's right, completely free. And we'd love to have you join us. It's so much fun. We all watch the film together. You can either watch it ahead of time and then join in the conversation afterwards or watch it live. And we do live anchoring. It is the most awesome piece of fun ever invented. Get that in some good movie theater, butter, popcorn. And maybe if you drink soda or Coke, in my case, I do sparkling water and it is on. Okay, so I hope to see you and we all hope to see you 
for the next Gnomeflix Movie Club. And don't forget to call in to Kevin's station and let him know what you'd like to see. Cheers. Okay, why don't we take some call-ins? I think I feel a caller you say what coming on. And this is the segment where I take listener call-ins and respond back accordingly. First up, we have some words from Frugal Blurred. You're on the air. Tachi, hey, just calling and check in with you. Oh man, every time that I see some type of news or technology that pops up on my Twitter feed, you know, some of it's fake news, but, well, a lot of it's fake news. But anyway, every time, anytime I see something pop up, I immediately think of you, and I just want to like call you up on the phone real fast and say, hey, Tachi, did you see this? And it's like, of course Tachi's seen this, and but, you know. I usually end up hearing about it, the same thing that I wanted to call you about on uh, your Mediascope, uh, Periscope, live. Anyway, um, I know I'm late, that was last week, but happy two years. Oh, that was quite an accomplishment. Anyway, I will talk to you soon. Oh, I found you on Instagram, now I can stalk you there. Tachi, yo Tachi, hey Tachi, what's up? It's What's Up Wednesday. Hope everything is going beautiful for you so far this week. Enjoy the rest of the week. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Hey, Tachi. I'm calling in about Sylvester Stallone doing a guest appearance on This Is Us. When I initially read the headline to this story, I thought, oh my god, what a huge mistake. When you cast someone so recognizable in a story, the moment you see them, it completely takes you out of the illusion of watching this story about these people. But when I read he was actually going to play himself, I thought, okay, that's the way to have a guest star appearance by a really recognizable celebrity. Which is the exact opposite of the epic fail that was the Ed Sheeran cameo appearance on Game of Thrones. The avalanche of hate tweets directed towards the Game of Thrones producers and Ed Sheeran by fans almost broke Twitter. Even though I think the Ed Sheeran cameo ruined the season premiere of Game of Thrones, I did not do one hate tweet. Unless you count liking, retweeting, and posting the Ed Sheeran hate tweets on my Facebook page. Frugal Blurred, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you, sis. Love when you call in. Love the words that you give. And really awesome to have you. So thank you. And I look forward to hearing you again. The Coffee Black, thank you so much for that Wednesday shout out, that what up Wednesday or what's up Wednesday to be a little more enunciative, which is not a word, just made that up. Anyway, thank you so much for the shout out. Glad you're thinking about me. I'm thinking about you too. And of course, to my co-host, the wonderful Kevin No Malone, who is the co-host along with me of TV channeling the podcast that talks all about television, film, and entertainment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Go to tvchanneling.com. Shameless plug. You had me dying, Kevin, at the fact that you were liking and retweeting the hatred on Twitter spewed towards Ed Sheeran. Now, what did he do but fit in with his own? He looks like he grew up in Game of Thrones time. I'm just saying. And he just wears regular clothes clothes now. But he transported in the TARDIS here. 
I'm, t- I'm telling you, he transported from that time to now because he belongs with them. I didn't see any problem. But again, I'm not a Game of Thrones watcher, so all of this probably is completely over my head. And I do agree with you. The way to do a guest starring role by somebody that's very recognizable, very famous, and very plastic surgeried up is to be him or herself. Otherwise, it completely takes you out of the story, which is, that would really be jarring. Like, what the hell is this? Sylvester Stallone, you're playing such and such, so I'm glad that they did it, him playing himself. Totally works. And I am a This Is Us watcher, so I can't wait to see how they fit all of that in. And they said it's at least one episode, could end up being more. So he's really getting into the whole TV game, just like everybody else. I guess that's where the jobs are. Shade, no shade. All right. I will talk to you all very soon. I hope you're having a great Friday, or for some of you, it may be Saturday already. Cheers.